the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And good evening. This is truly Kevin Randall, and this is truly A Different Perspective. In a moment, I'm going to be joined with Brad, joined by Brad Steiger, who actually appeared on my radio show that I had uh, in El Paso, Texas, uh, two decades ago. So, I mean, Brad and I go along, back a long way in that respect. In fact, I've known Brad for quite a number of years and I've been trying to get him on the program for a while here, but situations just didn't work out for for us to do it uh, or connect before now. But now we're ready for our great Halloween spooktacular and we'll be telling some horrible UFO stories, I guess. Uh, Brad, Brad claims to have written his first book at age seven, but he doesn't claim that they published it. So I... That's one of those wonderful... um... Well, I, I simply said, and Kevin, you know me well enough. If if you heard me say, if someone asked you when you write your first book, I said, well, I think I was seven, but it drew drew heavily on House at Pooh Corner. <laughs> so I, I meant it as a jest, saying I've always wanted to be a writer, even when I sat and copied the Winnie the Pooh books. But people took it literally. Oh, he wrote his first book at age seven. Uh, not, not quite, quite. And that's and that's why I said. But uh, he doesn't claim it was published because people say to me, right. "How many books have you written?" And I always say, "Do you want to know how many I've written? How many I've sold? Or how many have been published?" I mean, it's three right. different numbers. I've got a number of books that I've written that aren't sold anywhere. Uh, they're still laying around somewhere. But yeah. I was attempting to do a very nice introduction for you. And, uh, that was nice. That was I, nice. I, ha- I haven't gotten haven't gotten through it yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I was going to say he became a full time writer in 1967 and uh, authored and co-authored almost 170 books, which have been sold sold 17 million copies. And I mentioned that he wrote the bestseller "Strangers in the Sky" about UFOs because I remember sitting in a high school um, study hall reading that book, which 
actually dates me as well, I think, <laughs> uh, as well as you, because I was in high school at the time. Uh, and I thought that was important to, to let you know, know that. I, I was reading that instead of the biology text I was supposed to be reading. And as I said, I've known Brad for decades and remember calling him many, many years ago to ask about a specific case of a mysterious dis disappearance from Wales in the 20th century. And yeah. you told me right off the bat, well, it's a hoax. And I thought, well, that, was, that was a wonderful, wonderful way to start a conversation. But, but I was calling to confirm the information that I'd read in, in, in other places, and, and your name had come up. And I thought, well, I, I know how to get a hold of Brad Steiger. I'll call and ask him. And that was the first thing you said to me. So I was delighted with that because it uh, helped me out a great deal. And uh, since that time, I've followed, followed your career and note that we sometimes argue about who has written the most UFO books. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah. not sure who it is. I believe <laughs> it's you. You sometimes say it's me. And Nick right. is attempting to catch us both. Yes, so he is. Yes, he, is. He, he, he denies that, though. He denies that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just had uh, my book, uh, Encounters in the Desert, about the Socorro UFO sighting come out in the last couple of days, as a matter of fact. So yeah, I, may, yeah. I may have gotten one up on, uh, on Nick, Nick at that point. Uh, Nick, Nick also yeah. delves into other things, as do you and as do I. Yes, right, right, right. And I, and I, I thought the, the Socorro kind of leads us into where we want to go because here's a, a story of Lonnie Zamora seeing two alien creatures running around or mm -hmm. walking around or standing around in uh, basically central New Mexico back in 1964 and uh, some of the things went on about that. So that gets us into the idea of alien visitation and it gets us into the idea that there's uh, a creatures, beings, entities uh, flying those those craft. Uh, what I, and I know you've done some stuff on this. And quickly before I run out of time here, uh, what do you think of the Socorro case? Uh, it was very fascinating at the beginning of research, and I still want to believe in that one. But now all I mean, we've had the traditional college students did it. That's come out now. It was just a joke. And then, of course, which I think is, is the most uh, nefarious one, that Lonnie did it to get uh, more uh, tourists coming to the, to the city uh, or the little town there. And all of these things have, I, I think, follow this kind of cycle that we're in. Is, well, let me... Know, the, let me let me interrupt yeah. you here, Brad, because I have to take a break right now. We will be back with okay. Brad Steiger in just a moment talking about alien creatures and alien visitation. So stick around. program providers including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzone.com. 
xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. As promised, I am back with Brad Steiger. Fellow Iowan, uh, we're talking about um, uh, alien visitation at the moment and creatures from that. And it gives me an opportunity to plug uh, Encounters in the Desert, which is my book about the Socorro case, which just came out. You were saying before we went away, um, I think talking about the uh, Lonnie Zamora having hoaxed it for the tourist trade. And right. I, I don't think you bought into that one. No, no. Well, I think... I, I, it, I, I was going to say well, Philip, no, Class no, I mean, kind of, Philip Class kind of threw that out, and it really is nonsensical. Yeah, I, was, I guess I was impressed because Dr. Hynek found this of interest. And then, of course, there's that puzzling, and I know I can't wait to read your new book. The emblem, the emblem that's on the craft uh, I think I think is is very provocative in, in so many ways because it, it's kind of like a message to our species. Uh, we recognize that symbol, whether we want to admit it or not. It's probably not from any language, but in our deeper unconsciousness, I I think it shows. Uh, a residence. I think it shows a home. I think it shows, you know, a a, um, a unity. And whatever the UFO phenomena is, uh, and I tend to think now it's it's probably multidimensional. But you know, you can't. No one knows for sure. And uh, in in my mind, uh, Kevin, this is not just gratuitous flattery. But I, I think you are the supreme of the supreme of the ufologist, because I really admire how deeply you go and how you you take your knocks. I mean, uh, you you accept people's criticism and then you answer it. So I'm curious to hear what you say about both. Now I said how people are trying to defame it. Well, what did you say in your book? Now, I don't want you to give things away, but let's tease people. I want to read the book. Other people will want to read it, too. Well, I was going to say that we do. I, we do. I go into depth on the symbol and what the true symbol is and, and how that was 
that the whole story of the symbol was has evolved since the beginning of the Socorro case, and there's a long chapter about what is the correct symbol. So I, I, I look at that because it is kind of an important part of the entire case. Mm-hmm. But if you look at actually the the bungling of the investigation that began the very night it happened uh, with the the army uh, officer there, um, Captain Holder, the FBI guy there. Uh, Arthur Burns and what they did and what they learned. Children in Ukraine have been wounded and are traumatized by the violence. UNICEF is on the ground providing health, hygiene and critical emergency supplies. Please go to unicef.org to donate now. Thank you. And the reports they made, I had always said, and this is the, the probably the last thing I'll say about that during this program, but I've always said that the problem with the Samora case, it was single witness. And looking into the right. case, find out it's not. There were three people mm. who called, there were three people who called the police station prior to anything that Zamora said, seeing they'd seen a blue flame or something in the sky. And uh-huh. nobody, nobody followed up on it. Holder uh-huh. mentioned it. Holder mentioned it in his report written that very night. He mentioned three people called the police station, and Heineck didn't follow up on it, and uh, Ray Stanford didn't follow up on it, the Lorenzans didn't follow up on it, the uh, Air Force didn't follow up on it. Nobody followed up on that really critical piece of, of evidence. If you could have found those people, and it shouldn't have been that hard to find them in Socorro, mm. New Mexico, because you know the flight path, and you could have been knocking on doors in those neighborhoods to, to see, did you see this thing? Did you hear this thing? Nobody followed up on on that so that was kind of one of the things that disturbed me about that case. So I look at the, the totality of the evidence and lay out my conclusions and what I think was going on in in the case. But this really gets us into alien visitations and alien creatures. Right. And I know you've got some wonderful stories about that sort of thing. So what what have you learned in your in your investigations, vast though they are, of alien creatures in of the past. <laughs> well, obviously, after Strangers from the Skies, that really, uh, I, I think you you know, uh, I was brought to New York to finish my biography of Rudolph Valentino, the one that was later made into a film. And so, of course, uh, here's an Iowa boy, never been to New York before, And I'm meeting all kinds of editors through the course of working with the publisher, McFadden Bartell at that time. But I'm meeting other editors and, and uh, this is kind of, you know, like a a dream fulfillment for the kid from the cornfield. And I had uh, Ivan T. Sanderson, the naturalist scientist had begged me to do a book on poltergeist. Now, he was reading my weekly column in a tabloid called A Walk on the Weird Side by Brad Steiger. So he had been reading that for about a year, and he says, you've got to do Poltergeist. Well, I had sold this book on Poltergeist, but I came to do the uh, finish the, um, the Valentino story. And an editor whom I, you know, really enjoyed talking with, and, and we kind of hit it off, he said, what do you think about UFOs? And I said, well, they're in my files, but, you know, I'm, I'm basically a phenomenologist. I'm basically a psychical researcher, but I kind of think, you know, there's a, there's a bleed through there. There's a blending. 
And he said, well, would you like to do one? And I said, yes. And that became Strangers from the Skies, which came out, again, one of those things which a book has to do somehow, a movie has to do. It has to hit, you know, know the uh, the feeling of the time, the zeitgeist of the moment, and it did, and it, it, it really took off. And suddenly I'm a ufologist, which I've never really claim, but I certainly have research now in foreign countries and every state and province in the U.S. and and find it totally fascinating and totally maddening. And one of the things that I, of course, was drawn to is what do people see? Do they actually see entities with us, or are they just seeing shiny things going over in the sky? Well, it turns out I'm getting reports right and left from the book of all kinds of people who are telling me of the incredible creatures that they've seen. I mean, it it varies. Well, you know, just to to flip through the book from Little Green Men, the Blonde Nordics, the Greys, the Praying Mantises, which are among the creepiest to me, and the Reptilians and Serpent People, Robots and Androids, and Hairy Dwarfs. Now, that's just a few of, of the classes of entities that people are seeing. One of, things, way... one, one of the things that, that has struck me is reports coming out of South America. And yeah. I point there because yeah. they come there. But I've seen uh, drawings of the alien creatures that look amazingly like the spacemen from Earth versus the Flying Saucers. I've mm-hmm. seen mutants that look an awful lot like the creatures from um, this island Earth. Couldn't think of the name of the movie at the moment with the big right. bulbous heads. And there's other things that, that come out of there, people reporting creatures that uh, seem inspired by science fiction films. Well, that <laughs> science fiction films, mythology, fairy tales. Now, we go way back to one of the early sightings of the the dear lady walking in the woods in Italy. And she suddenly has two entities come out and and tear at her clothing, not with the idea of, of sexuality, I'm sure, but she, she runs and they grab her scarf and they try to hold her. And she describes them like, um, to me, kind of giant chipmunks with... Uh, engineering suits on and some strange kind of helmets. Now, people, have, the artists in the area, and I know you've seen it too, have have caught them very well. And so again, we say, this is one of the very early reports. Where did this come? This is a woman who spent a lot of time in the woods, in the forest. Uh, she lived kind of like Hansel and Gretel back in the woods. Now, if if this is a entity that looks in a way we cannot perceive and it wants to reveal itself, then it's going to have to choose some form. And 
if we're giving that entity those kind of powers, it goes into her subconscious and recognizes the animals she deals with on a daily basis and puts them in an engineering suit to signify they are an intelligent species that have come from somewhere else. Now, I see this kind of thing repeating itself where, you know, what you see is what you get and what you perceive is what you will receive. If you have grown up on Buck Rogers, if you have grown up on and some of the science fiction classics and people then describe the entities to the, me and you know I'm going all the way back now Kevin to the 60s when I well I got invited to speak here and invited to speak there so because of strangers in the sky so I thought well you know I'm really getting into the subject <laughs> I'm really seeing an area of research that fascinates me so I would interview the people that would come up from the audience I had this sighting I had that sighting I saw this entity and begin to really interview them in depth and you see that kind of commonality and I hate always to make generalities but again it seems so much as I said what you see, what you believe is what you get, and what you perceive is what you receive. So the people who want to see a godlike being that has come like the gentleman carpenter in uh, the day the earth stood still, which I think, you know, really launched the whole contact key movement or a good part of it. Uh, because it was pretty difficult to sit through that movie and not be moved. And those of us who have gone to Sunday school, <laughs> we recognize that Carpenter, Carpenter becomes so obviously a Christ figure or a Jesus figure during the course of the film. And then he leaves us with with a kind of promise threat is, Okay, you guys better behave down here now, or we're going well, to let take me, measures. Let me, let me interrupt here because I'm going to have to take a break, which I'm, okay. is unfortunate. And I was going to ask you about um, it seeming that the uh, stories of entities kind of evolved as the UFO field fall, uh, evolved. I'll get into that uh, in a moment here because I'm running out of time. I did want to mention that if uh, y'all are interested in these sorts of things, take a look at the other fine programs on the Exxon Broadcast Network at xzbn.net and you got a whole list of uh, programs that will probably interest you of, uh, in, in some fashion about these sorts of activities. I will be back with Brad Steiger in just a moment. We will be talking about aliens in space suits when I come back, so stick around. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. 
For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Just moments ago, I am back with Brad Steiger. We were talking about alien entities, creatures from um, inside the spacecraft. And as Brad was speaking, I, he, he triggered a thought in my mind in, in something that I had talked about in the past, that when people talked about seeing the entities back in the late 40s, early 50s, in, in that time frame, they almost mm-hmm. were invariably in, in some kind of a spacesuit, some kind of helmet right. apparatus, some kind of breathing apparatus going on. And as we move beyond that, um, they seem to <laughs> shed their spacesuits. Uh, they'll be wearing flying suits type things. The guys at Socorro, for example, and I promise not to mention Socorro, but they were in white coveralls as opposed to some kind of a spacesuit, which gave rise to the opinion that this might have been some kind of government experiment, although no documentation has ever been found to prove that. But but um, so when we talked about the earlier entities, they were in spacesuits type thing. And, and I, I guess you noticed the same thing. Absolutely. And again, Carpenter, the Christ figure that comes in the day the Earth stood still, he puts on a suit when he talks to the scientist, the uh, Einstein type character, uh, and when he interacts with the wo- woman and her son. But when he returns, he is definitely in a space suit as he's going to go back and Gort has rex- rescued him. We have... Well, let me, let me interrupt because I wanted to make two points here. Number one, when we first see him, okay. he's in a space suit with a helmet on, so you don't see that he's actually a human. You see a humanoid. Oh, yeah, at the, at the very beginning. At the very, at the beginning. very beginning. And the other thing yeah, is yeah. you're making the, the parallel between um, Christ. and I mean, his name is Carpenter, and we all get that, right. I think. Right, right, right. But the other thing right. is he's actually killed at the end of the movie. Gort comes and gets the body and resurrects him, which is another mm-hmm. aspect of the, the – uh, Christ story there before he goes right. off and says, Hey, right, right, says, uh, you know, if you don't listen to us, we're going to reduce this planet to a burned out cinder. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I think Dr. Bernard says, Is that possible? Is that how such power exists? And he says, Sure, uh, let me assure you that such power exists. So, um, mm-hmm. the parallel is strictly there. So, he's in the spacesuit, uh, in the movie, and Gord is, of course, the big robot that you have right, to say Klaatu right. Barata Nikto to in case. That's uh, right, Klaatu Barata Nikto. In case you do not want to get it disintegrated by it. Uh, right. <laughs> but you I know, always remembered that just in case I run into a Gord. You know. Yeah, you and everybody else, I think, <laughs> talking about that. We, when I was when I was a teenager, after having read your book as a teenager, and I mean, I I bought it when it, I still have my copy of Strangers from the. Oh Street. my goodness! Oh my goodness! The the the, the twenty five cent paperback version right. of it. Uh, <laughs> But uh, a friend of my, a friend of mine, Eric Novotny, and I had started an organization that we called Office of Scientific Intelligence, which was a name we plagiarized from a science fiction film because we thought it was mm-hmm. neat. And our motto was "Klaatu Barata Nikto" because we figured okay. nobody nobody'd get it. But nobody would. <laughs> but, but but you would, of course. 
<laughs> anyway, alien creatures. Um, when we talk about alien creatures, it, we get a, a great diversity of creatures, I guess. Is there some of, some kind of a commonality that we see other than humanoid? Although we've talked about hairy dwarfs and I think yeah. beanbag type creatures as well. But is there some kind of a, a commonality that we see through the descriptions of the alien creatures? Not anymore. Not anymore. The commonality at the beginning, if we want to say, you know, 47 and so forth, uh, approximately was the beginning. Then we had basically the smallish creature, the, quote, proverbial little green man, though I don't think anyone ever described them as being green, but the size. And they were almost always, and I think I can say always, in spacesuits, and they acted the role of little uh, astronauts that have come here from an, from another world. They really were, you know, like little little uh, mannequins, little puppets, you know, that that would do kind of what the overall belief in this concept that we're being contacted should look like uh, larger heads because that symbolizes they have bigger brains because they got here before we got there and larger eyes all those things which seem to symbolize you know uh, on, for some people wisdom and the ability to see the future or whatever but then we move into the gray which is not in a spacesuit, <laughs> he's in his his all together, and it, it, it is much more unattractive than the little green men that we began with. Uh, he looks, you know, like some kind of uh, clay figure, and the gray has taken took over great popularity, should we say? But I. Now we've moved into, which I think, you know, grotesque, like the praying mantises and the reptilians and the serpent people. Now, the reptilians, okay, there's all kinds people are, are building logic. Why inter-space travelers would be reptilians. It would easily hibernate. They'd be able to slow down their bodily functions. And we, of course, have all kinds of legends throughout our historical development of the flying serpents, the serpents. And then, of course, the, uh, the, the devil is to look like a serpent, but the devil is really giving us information so maybe those were reptilians. Maybe those demons we talked about who were reptilian in appearance, maybe they were these ancient astronauts that came from another world and are still coming and feel, in a sense, they, this planet belongs to them. So the, the serpent people are very popular now. In fact, <laughs> while I was awaiting your call, I was going through today's mail, and uh, I have a very enthusiastic letter from people from a person who totally believes in the serpent people, 
and hybrids. The serpent people are are breeding with us, and and that's 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 kind of taken over a large section of research right now, Kevin. Well, I, don't, I don't know if yes, I'm I'm aware of that, but the the problem I have a problem with the genetics. Well, yeah, yes, of course, yes, when, of course. When you start start talking about these crude experiments going on where uh, the the aliens come down and impregnate our women, I mean, to, to create the hybrids, which I always thought was backwards. If I was doing that, I'd want to be able to control the experiment. And rather than impregnating our women and throwing them back into the environment to see what happens, I'd have Earthmen impregnating their women so they can control it. But I really don't see how the genetics would work. Uh, well, but you see... The whatever this is, the great brain that controls all this, <laughs> they've heard people like you saying that. So now the contactees, or the people who believe in the hybridization of our planet, the they don't simply have sexual intercourse now. It's it's a whole laboratory to which they go, in which. Um, they're never quite aware how the semen or how the, the, the <laughs> is injected because they go into kind of a trance and they don't really realize until they're pregnant several months later that that's what happens. They recall it then in a kind of regressive state uh, when they're sleeping or whatever. So that objection has been eliminated you see it 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 can't help thinking and pardon me now for becoming good old mystical brad here but <laughs> but it but it but a, a brain a a zeitgeist a part uh, somehow a linkage to our own development and and you know one of my great passions is who are we really you know worlds before our own has been one of my best sellers and which came before all all the others who have written about the subject and that still fascinates me and i subscribe to a number of publications where we are going farther and farther back in time we are going with discovery of, if not homo sapiens, and we really shouldn't use that because they're really hominids. And the number of hominids, I mean, it used to just be Neanderthal, right? Well, now we have the uh, Denisovans, we have all kinds of, we're finding teeth that rep now they examine it and with, through the marvelous science they have, and that is yet representing another hominin species. So how often have we been here? How much have we learned? And how, how are we really an independent species? Or is there, you know, like, like someone has said, um, the what, what's the movie that's based on? Uh, oh heck, I lost the name of it. Um, oh well, and anyway, as if there is an alternate reality going on at the same time, 
And that's why we're having scientists working with so many dimensions that we may be experiencing at the same time. And it's really becoming more complicated than simply aliens walking on Earth. It, it is the big picture, I think, is emerging. And, and it's a fascinating one. And we see that, you know, how much control do we have? And I don't mean to be a nihilist here, but, you know, are we really an independent species? You know, how how much are we subjected to forces and and thoughts and manifestations of the future in which we're being directed in a certain way, in which we're being programmed a certain way. I look at what's happening with social media. I'm looking at what's happening, you know, with with the marvelous computers and our, our TV and all these things that are making life better. Better? Well, I mean, it's making us lazier. It's making us sloppier. It's making us... Uh, uh, we don't want to read anymore because we can just look at a screen. And, and it seems, you know, that whatever force we create when we blend as a species, you know, the, the zeitgeist is commonly used, but it may be, you know, that it becomes almost a, well, no, it is an entity unto itself that is directing and programming us as a species. Well, let me interrupt here because I have to take my break because I'm required to. Um, for more information about this, take a look at bradandsherry.com. And of course, I'll always put up some information, additional information on my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. You'll uh, see some of the things that are going on in the world of ufology. Uh, today and that sort of thing um, if you take a look at that and take a look at uh, X-Zone Broadcast Networks at xzbn.net I will be back right after this for my final segment with Brad Steiger so stick around This is the X-Zone Broadcast Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers including CNN Broadcast Network Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365.
We are back, and by we, I mean Brad Steiger and me. We are back. We were talking about, I guess, sort of alien visitation, but Brad has spun it off now into multiverses and uh, interdimensional problems as well. So looking at the broad picture of this, um, do you think we're being visited by beings from other worlds in our universe, inside our galaxy, or do you subscribe to a kind of a multiverse cross-dimensional thing, or are you kind of uh, in both camps? I'm kind of in both camps. And I interrupted myself uh, in our last segment, which isn't uncommon for me to do. But I mentioned uh, while I was waiting for your welcome ring on the phone, I was reading today's email. <laughs> and one thing we should mention, Kevin, is, you know, when are they going to land? When are they? There's a large segment of, uh, you can't say the public, of course, but, well, yes, you can. That the UFO has been, community. It, the UFO community and the public has been influenced by a large section of the UFO community to accept that they're already here. So the letter I had today was they have they are certain now that this Ukrainian singer is from the Pleiades and she is singing special songs that uh, kind of lull the human species into uh, peace and contentment and recognizing that the Pleiadians and the Arcturans are here. They've always been here and they're here to take care of us. They're here to watch over us. There's no fear. <laughs> now I'm getting, I'm getting chills just saying those words. But but we have this species now again. So I you know I have to hear and 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 see this marvelous representative. Well, she's a lovely woman. She has a lovely voice. But um, you say she's from the she's, you say she's from the Ukraine. Yes. yes. So she has no association with Billy Meyer. No, no, I I, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. This was just sent to me. And, of course, I get these kinds of letters all the time. But the Pleiadians, the Arcturns, and the others are here. They're helping us. And, again, it's this need that when we're in trouble, when times are getting hard, we really can't do it on our own. We have to have help. Well, you know, that is negating, our, to me, our entire mission as a species to recognize that we can take care of ourselves. We can learn to be a structured society. We can learn to get along, for God's sake. We can learn to recognize that we all are one and we're moving toward what can be a much greater tomorrow 
But I think the fact that the Pleiadians are now coming in here, I don't think they're going to help us at all. I think they'll just confuse things. But what I'm saying is now we've graduated, you see, from the little green men or the little species that we saw in Socorro, and we've progressed all the way up from the uh, Nordics, from the uh, various other entities, to the fact that, or excuse me, to the claim, the supposition, that they're already here, and they're here to help us and guide us and direct us. Well, I think too often, too often in our history as a species, someone has tried to direct us and help us and take care of us, and we don't need it anymore. Well, one thing I've noticed in uh, the abduction phenomenon, for example, that the uh, creature being creatures being described as the abductees in the United States are basically the greys. But mm-hmm. when you look at the rest of the world, they have a wide variety of different creatures that are involved in the abductions. Right. And you've noticed that as well. Yes, yes. And and in, in this, you know, it seems to be they're they're getting better looking all the time, Kevin. <laughs> they're they're getting uh, they're they become a, a model for us. Now, I don't think too many of us want to look like like the entity seen at Socorro, but you know, some of the uh, people now that others claim are Pleiadians or from another space are, of course ideal-looking men, ideal-looking women, and fit all the requirements and and, uh, and fantasies that one might have about uh, creatures from outer space. It's, it's kind of like the vampire. You know, we have Nosferatu, which is an accurate depiction of a vampire as a weasley, uh, ugly rodent type creature. That's what the vampire looked like traditionally. But then, of course, we had you know Count Dracula coming, and and he's uh, uh, an aristocrat, and he dresses well, and he drink doesn't drink wine. But he, we have now we can't do a vampire movie without the vampire being an extremely attractive man or woman. So we keep pushing the old tradition, which maybe was a little, uh, you know, skin your knees and hurt your elbows, but that's life, to an idealization of what is waiting for us with the aliens. So you're suggesting that, as we've seen the evolution of the vampire from the weasel to an attractive man or woman, we now have the um, aliens in alien visitation from other planets following the same kind of evolution, at least in the stories that are being told. At least in the stories that are being told. Currently. And, currently. Yes, currently. And do you see a end game here? Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as I say, you I know, know. I grew up in the 30s and 40s. And, uh, you know, uh, what happened at that time is indelibly etched in in all of our minds. And, uh, you know, when you lost uncles and 
cousins and brothers and so forth. You just say, you know, we don't need anyone to decide who's right and who's wrong, who's good and who's evil. You know, this is what we're, this is the responsibility of our species to be able to make intelligent decisions. I resent anyone from anywhere making those decisions for us. Well, let me ask this because I got very little time left, but are you currently working on a new book, uh, a new direction for your research, or are you just kind of kicking back? Kind of kicking back. I'll be 82 in another couple of months here. And um, I I don't know. I've I've, I've written 195 books now, and I'll have a new one coming out next summer, which explores... What are ghosts really? What are they really? And maybe I'll, if there, if I do another book, it'll probably be, what are aliens really? Really, what are they? But that the book you've got coming out, that's already been handed in, I take it. Yes, yes, yes. So you're going through the pro, it will be going through the process of proofreading and all of that other oh, yeah. nonsense. Oh but, yeah. That seems to have devolved to the author now when there used to be people in New York and whatnot who did that sort of thing. That seems that we all now end up with having to do that as well. Well, I'm fortunate in that I actually have a very uh, sane and helpful editor. So that helps. Well, that's good. Listen, Brad, I'm I'm running out of time, as you know. It's been delightful talking to you. And uh, picking your brain on all these various aspects of ufology and the paranormal. And I'm sure if we can arrange it, you'd, you'd come back on the program at some uh, future date. Oh, most certainly. Well, thank you very much for joining us here on A Different Perspective. Um, for those of you who are interested, take a look at bradandsherry.com. You'll find some more stuff about Brad and Steiger and, and Sherry Steiger and what they've been doing and their research uh, activities. And as I always say, take a look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com because I will um, have some comment about what we've uh, talked here today and maybe some uh, other links for you to take a look at and get a little bit more information. And... Uh, find out that Brad has written 190 some books is way ahead of me so I'll never catch him so I'm not even <laughs> going to try uh, when you get a chance take a look at uh, Encounters in the Desert which is my new book it's out now it's about the Socorro UFO landing gives you an idea of what went on there and that sort of thing and I think it's always important to point out that there are some other great programs on the Exxon Broadcast Network at xzbn.net, or if I was in Canada, I'd say what, xzbn.net, because they don't say Z in Canada for some reason. I don't know what it is. But uh, take a look at some of those programs, and I'm sure you'll find things that will interest you in that arena as well. And I try to point out that Roswell in the 21st century gives you a dispassionate look of where the Roswell case stands 
is today as opposed to where it was 20 years ago when we were all so excited about the Roswell case and what it was going to provide for ufology. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Robert Powell. We're going to be talking about an organization that is uh, being formed now to do uh, additional UFO research and has nothing to do with the announcements in the last couple of days from, uh, I think it's Tom DeLong from, or formerly a Blink-182. I will be back in 167 hours with another edition of A Different Perspective, so stick around. Or don't go, go, don't go away.